excited to, 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 to bring this message to you today. Um, as many of you see, this is a nativity scene. Um, I really, I was kind of, I was gonna bring the one that my parents had. However, I'm pretty sure they made it in the backyard. Like it's like, like twigs and it's very fragile and I, like, I would break it. I'm not gonna be honest. I probably would break it. It was like real hay and all this stuff. And uh, I just didn't wanna do that. Also, I was looking for, when I was looking for a nativity scene to, to bring for today's message, um, I was really hoping for a bigger one, but it was like this size or like big yard, like big, big yard size. And uh, that would have been fun, but I think it would have really been hard for me to move them around as I'm gonna need to today. But the nativity scene is something that whether you're in church every Sunday or not, most people, you see it, you, whether it's on your, on your coffee table or maybe uh, you, know, you see it in, in, yeah, at churches, one place, but maybe also uh, in town squares. Maybe you've been to and visited a live nativity scene. I know uh, actually in, the, in Lapel, we did a live nativity scene over this, this past year. We did Christmas in Lapel, and they did, had a live nativity scene. Actually, Devin and Lily brought their animals, and they were uh, dressed up as shepherds. And I, I wish I had a picture. Devin was laying down in the hay because he was tired. I was like, you think the shepherds were tired when they were coming to see Jesus? Come on. Uh, no, but all, all seriousness, um, I, I wanted to, to connect with you guys on a personal level. And a few weeks ago, I shared a lot of things about the nativity and uh, just the, the honest truth of it. We have the wise men who uh, brought the, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't actually know if they were three wise men. They were just three gifts. We know that. So we assumed, hey, three wise men. But also the other piece of it is, is that they weren't actually there when Jesus was born. They, they really came probably two years later. Um, and, and then we have the shepherds who were like the working class. They were the ones that had, the Lord wanted the shepherds to know before anybody else uh, uh, that, that Jesus was born. And I think really ultimately there, there's a message there in itself of why he chose the, the working class, those who were working in the fields night and day uh, to protect the flocks, why he wanted them to know first. Uh, but we're not gonna go there tonight. And then we have the animals that were there, which really just signify that really he was born in a manger. He was born in a place where livestock was kept. We don't know if the animals were there in the moment. Uh, we can assume that, but the, the, we don't know for sure. And then we have Mary and Joseph, the earthly father and mother of Jesus. Uh, and then also, and then obviously we have Jesus himself who, and in this one, he's, uh, it's in like a wooden basket. Realistically, it was probably more of a, like a stone feeding trough that he was actually laid in, uh, in the manger. And this Jesus is uh, very white, uh, not very accurate, uh, just being honest with you. And uh, that's okay, because I'm not here to tear apart the nativity scene, but I'm, I'm here to talk about all the parts of the nativity scene. They're here for a purpose and by design, and we're gonna talk through it. But before we do that, I wanted to share with you guys just a little something of, uh, when I was younger, we reenacted the manger scene at my home. We had the big uh, cameras with the VHS you put in and record. And I wanted to share just a, a short clip with you guys of what that was like in my home growing up. Christmas play. That was me. I was excited.
I wanted to be center of attention. Uh, that's the end. Uh, I just want to share with you guys a little bit of what we did growing up. We played a lot of dress up. We did a lot of skits and stuff. Uh, we have a whole lot of home videos. And uh, as you can tell, the very bleached blonde kid, uh, that was me uh, growing up. And I was one of the wise men. And many people have been like, me growing up, wise men, really? Does that make sense? No. Uh, but I was. And it was uh, great fun. And, and uh, that's just what it was like in my home. And maybe you have your own stories of what the nativity uh, scene was really like for you. But the title of my message is Jesus at the Center. And ultimately, the one thing the nativity scene gets right is that you find Jesus right at the center. You find him the very focus of everything that is going on right here. And I think that really all of us in our lives have something that our life is focused on. And maybe you're here today and, and your whole life you've grown up and uh, gone to church and you have God, you have Jesus in your life, but maybe he's, he's just off to the side. You have him, but he's just not the focus. He's not the center of your life. And, and maybe he's floating around over here. Um, but the question that, that I wanna ask us today is, with Jesus at the center, is this set up? in your heart? Is this how it is set up in your heart and in your life? And the thing about when it's not set up, when it's not, God is a God of order and there is order in our life. And when we are out of order, our, our lives, our bodies, they will tell us that we are out of order. They will tell us that something isn't right. And if that's the case, if something's telling you in your life, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, something's out of order, could it be that Jesus is not at the center of your life? It's not a way to condemn or shame or any, anything. We all have seasons, I'm sure, where I, I've had my own seasons where I've had something else at the center. And I have to keep coming back and say, something's out of order. Jesus needs to be at the center. I need to keep taking him from over here and continually, daily, put him right back at the center. And what I wanna do today is I wanna talk through this nativity scene. Every one of these represent something. Um, the, as I talked about the shepherds, they, they represent the working class. And the shepherds, say, say the shepherds, we put them at the center, the shepherds represent work. The shepherds represent what you spend most of your time doing. Work, maybe, maybe it's a lot of our social lives uh, by chance, and, but ultimately it's, it's whatever we spend most of our time doing. Most of us have full-time jobs who are working 40 plus hours a week. It's easy to have work be the focus of our lives in the very center of all that we do. It could be our driving factor. But if that's the case, when, when something does go wrong, we tend to lean on these things even though it wasn't designed that way for our life. And it just shows us, could it be that it's not set up right in our life? Because our work and our social lives can't bear the weight of what Jesus was born to come to do. And maybe 
Uh, maybe it's not the shepherds. Maybe, maybe the shepherd, maybe work and, and the focus, that, that's not your thing, but, but maybe it's the wise men. And the wise men come and maybe they're the censor. The wise men ultimately, they represent the fame, the success, the dreams and popularity, uh, the, the wealth and education that you're constantly striving after, things you're chasing after. Maybe, just maybe, this is what is the censor of your life. You're driven by, by money. You wanna have great wealth. You're driven by success in your job and, and your career and be popular and, and have all the fame by your dreams and goals of life. Maybe that's what you're focused on. But a lot of us can probably re- recognize and represent that we live as though these are the most important things to us, that we have to achieve this, we must achieve this, or we'll never be that, or People may look at us this way or that way. And I've been there personally in my life before. I I took a job right out of college solely for the fact to gain fame, maybe popularity, but with my own family. But what I recognized, it didn't fulfill me in any capacity that I needed. There was a void that I was constantly chasing in my life that I needed to be filled, and the only thing that could do is Jesus, but I had the wise men at the center of my life. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter six, it says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. The uncertainty of riches. This is, this is all earthly, this will go away. We must store our treasures for us up in heaven uh, that's just the truth, and a lot of us will chase that money, and 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 some of us may even go, uh, some of us may even go into debt ultimately because we want to spend money that we don't have to impress people we don't even like. I I've seen it, I've seen it in, in my own life, I've seen it in friends of mine, I've I've been there. Ultimately, I'm with you on this, and maybe that's the focus of your life today. But something I heard Craig Rochelle recently said, he said, obsessing over what people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. We care so much about looking a certain way or doing this or that, and that becomes our focus that we forget what God thinks about us. And we need to restructure. We need to reorder our lives to put Jesus back in the center. Maybe in our lives, it's just not set up right. And maybe it's not this. Maybe this doesn't, you know, connect with you. But maybe it's Mary and Joseph. See, we still, still have God. He's, he's in our life. He's just not the sinner. But Mary and Joseph represent family, marriage, kids, relationships. And a lot of us may think, and we may look at this and be, say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, family first. That makes sense. I, I'm there with you. It does make sense on paper. However, if I were to look at my wife for all fulfillment of happiness and joy, I will continually be let down. Because she, it was, she wasn't designed, she wasn't created to bear that weight. Of the, only, the only person that could fulfill that is Jesus, and Jesus alone. And I'll be honest, I shared this last night uh, with, with our service last night. When we got married, there was, when, actually really when I was writing, writing this message, I realized that there have been seasons where I had 
taken Jesus out of the center and I, and I put my wife, I put my marriage there. And I didn't realize it until I was really writing this message. I was like, oh shoot, I'm guilty of that. And, and it's easy to do because we spend most of our times with these individuals. But it's a wake up call for us that we must remove them. Maybe it's not ordered well, maybe it's not ordered right in our life. But when we, when, we, when we put them here, we put pressure on people to be something they were never intended to be. Only Jesus can fulfill this void. Only Jesus can fulfill this in our lives. And maybe it's not marriage, maybe it's not family, marriage, anything like that. But maybe what you're most focused on in life are animals. Animals, these animals, they're everything that brings pleasure in life. I know, uh, you know, I know people personally who have their own, their own like Instagram accounts for their animals, and like that's like drives them. They love that, um, and it's the folks that maybe they they dress up their dogs. Or, if that's you, I'm not shaming you. I'm just it, it's just the truth. It happens in life, and but maybe it's not actually animals. It's it's our hobbies. Maybe it's golfing or or hunting or or woodworking, something along that lines. Or maybe it's just sports teams. Maybe it's skiing, something like that. But ultimately, especially with sports teams, if we put them at the focus of our life, we're definitely going to be let down. Especially if you're like me. I I used to live in North Carolina, so a lot of my favorite teams are in North Carolina. I worked at Duke University for a season, and so I love Duke athletics. They don't really let me down all that much, luckily. However, I'm I'm a Hornets fan, and I'm a Panthers fan. They're terrible. Literally, the Panthers have won two games this whole year, and I don't even watch them anymore. I'm like, I'm not watching you until you figure it out because this is just letting me down. And it shows us that, that we can't make that our focus or we're gonna continually be let down. There's a hope in Jesus that isn't found in any of these other things. But the thing about these animals, what they represent, the things we enjoy in life, the pleasures of life, is it's not that we can't have them. We, it's not that we can't have wealth or any of that. It's not that we can't have our, our work life. And it's not that we can't have marriage and family and great relationships. And it's not that we can't have all the joys and pleasures of life. It's just that Jesus must be at the center. God created these things, all of these things for our enjoyment. And all he's trying to show us here is that we need order in our lives. God is a God of order and we need order in our lives. And and really, when our lives are set up right, it doesn't only look right, but it works right. When we have order and we, and we place Jesus right back at the center, we find that there is great joy, there is great peace that surpasses all understanding. And in a world that is wicked as the world we're living in today, we need that peace and we, we need that hope, but we can only find that with Jesus right at the center of our lives. I want to take us to the New Testament. In New Testament, there's a book in uh, Colossians, four chapters. You can read it in about 15 minutes. And 
the, the first chapter sets itself apart, kind of sets up the last three. The last three are very practical chapters. If you want to read it, you can go home. I encourage you, go read it. It's a very practical chapter. You can read a whole book in the Bible, 15, 12, 15 minutes, and uh, you'd be like, I've read a whole book in the Bible. I feel good. Uh, but you're going to get a lot of stuff from it because it's very practical. But it starts in Colossians 1, obviously. But if you look in uh, your Bible, the header of Colossians 1 will begin somewhere along the lines of supremacy of Christ. And what that does, there's no coincidence that that comes before all the practical. Because ultimately, we can't start working on the practical until Jesus is at the center again. And just like our own solar system, in, in, in the world we live in, we have the sun right at the very center. It must be there. And if it's not there, the solar system's all out of whack. And that's the center of the solar system. The sun is supreme. Everything revolves around it. And if you take it away and you try to put Mars in there, it ain't gonna work. You even try to put the Earth in there, it's not gonna work. The sun must remain at the center because the sun is supreme for our solar system. Just like in our spiritual lives, the sun is supreme. Everything in right order revolves around him. And we must recognize that he is supreme over all of these things, over all the, the topics I touched on, that he must be at the center. Everything in right order revolves around him, and he must be the focus of our lives. In Colossians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 15, says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn of all creation, the image of the invisible God. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It's not about us, y'all. It's a wake-up call. It's not about us. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things are held together by him. He was born to take on flesh so that God couldn't, wouldn't be far from us, so that he would be near to us. Not near in physical presence, yes, that is a part of it, but also emotionally, spiritually, physically, he was close to us. He wanted to, if it was just to have him come to, to die as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins, then he would have been born and crucified and resurrected right in the span of like a day. But God sent him to live a life here on earth. So he could, he, he could be near us. When we have our troubles, he had those troubles. So that he could understand where, we, where, he's, where, where we're coming from. He wanted to know us. He didn't want to be far from us. He wants a relationship with us. And you can't have a relationship that's far, continually far. He, he, he wanted to be near us, which is why he sent his son for us. And if you're in here today, and of any of these, these focuses, the wise men, the shepherds, Joseph, Mary, animals, of any of these, if any of them relate with you, this message is for you. And maybe you're sitting here and maybe, you, maybe there's some pride in our lives. I've been there. That we say, I, I don't need that. Like, no, that, that's not me. I have God in my life still. Yes, I'm not saying you don't have God in your life, but is he the center of your life? That's a question I have to ask myself daily. It's not just, this, is, this message isn't just for you, it's also for me. And 
If you're coming in here battling fear, anxiety, depression, a mental illness, a physical illness, whatever it may be, him at the center solves everything because there's a great peace and there's a great hope and there's a great joy when things are in right order because everything revolves around him and he's supreme. He's, he's supreme over all of the battles that we face on this earth. And you may be here and you may be asking yourself, well, Ross, what does all this mean? What can I do for this? You ask yourself, what's next? I'm gonna give you three points that are exactly what's next, but I also wanna share with you, there's, we, we have this, this book. It's written by Chris Hodges. It's called What's Next. I have them on a welcome center. They're free. If you say, oh, I, I wanna read this book, take it. it. It's our gift to you for coming and joining us. Um, it's all about uh, the journey to know God, find freedom, uh, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you're new to faith, or maybe you've been in church forever and you just really never had that relationship, I really encourage you to read this. And if we run out, I'll order more, and I'll get them to you. But I, I encourage you really to take this home and, and, and to really to speak this, breathe this over your life. But I have three points for you. And I want to share that my job as a pastor necessarily isn't about preaching, it's a part of the job, yes, but I wouldn't necessarily sit here and say I'm called to, to preach. I love being able to talk to people, communicate. Uh, I enjoy it. It's a great joy of mine. But ultimately, my job as, as, a, as a preacher is, is to come every Sunday, find where God is in your life, no matter what series we're in, I'm finding where God is in your life and putting him right back in the center. My job is to place order back in your life because through the weeks, a lot of stuff happens and we come back on Sundays and that's just a reminder for us that God, he's not a, he, Jesus, a relationship with Jesus isn't just for a Sunday morning, but it's also for your Tuesday afternoon and your Thursday night when you're sitting down watching a basketball game or, uh, or, or a, a Friday morning when you're having breakfast with your family or, or when you're going hunting. There, there's, a, there's a lot of things that, we need to recognize that he must be at the center. And these steps, I'm gonna walk through them real quick for you. The first is to invite Jesus to take his rightful place. His rightful place is at the center of our lives. And we just have to recognize, we have to uh, humble ourselves before the Lord. Say, God, I've, I've had you in my life, but I've never had you at the center of it. And you belong at the center, and I'm gonna place you there this season. The second step for you is involve him in every part of your life. Just as I was sharing, you know, whether it's a Wednesday morning coffee or a weekend hunting trip, invite him in every part of your life. He designed you. He, he created you so intricately. You're fearfully and wonderfully made he wants to be a part of your life, but he's not gonna bust the door down and, and, and barge in, he's gonna knock. And we must open the door and invite him into our lives. Every single part of it, he wants to be there. Your marriages, your relationships, your work, your, your pursuits of, of building wealth for your family, getting debt free, all of these things he wants to be a part of. 
And finally, my third point is to ignite a fresh passion to know him more. And one thing I'll tell you, a great joy and honor of mine is not just being the campus pastor here at Life Church, but being among the people here at Life Church. And one thing here at this campus that I love is seeing the passion, the passion of our men, the passion of our women, pursuing Christ with, with, with great passion. And one thing I know that it's gonna be here in the 2024 season, this, this coming year, it's gonna be a hard year for this country. I, I believe that. But one thing I will say is that here, right here at Pendleton, we will not waver because we serve a great God. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we will continue to ignite the passion to know him more every single day. Doesn't matter how long we've been in a relationship with him, we continue to pursue this, this passion to know him more. Just as he wants to be in every part of our lives, we must want to be a part of his life, to know who he is. And we, when we know who he is, we know who we are. There's great peace in this. And I have a challenge, a personal challenge that I wanna give you. If you don't have a, uh, a, a church home and you're just in the area, maybe you're visiting family, that's okay, but maybe you wanna move to Pendleton and say, I'm moving to Pendleton because I love this church, awesome. But if you don't have a church home and you're, you're on the fence, about what this really looks like, you don't have to have it all figured out. Ultimately, to come to a relationship with Jesus, he meets you right where you are. He just wants a relationship with you. But my personal challenge to you is give us one year. Give us one year of your life. Come to church every Sunday. I'm not saying you can't vacation, it's okay, but come to church as often as you can. Every Sunday, come to our first Wednesday services, join a life group, go through growth track to discover your purpose, and then start serving, that's how you make a difference. And maybe not just serving at church, but also in our community as we continue to do outreaches. But my challenge is to give us one year, do everything that we ask, everything we ask, and it's not for my gain, it's not for my pleasure, that I wanna boss you around, no, it's because you're gonna meet Jesus here. And you're gonna grow in your relationship with him. And at the end of the year, if you can honestly come to me after doing everything and say, Ross, it didn't work for me. I did everything you asked. There's nothing. Nothing there. Didn't, it didn't work. Then, then I'll, I'll find you a, another church. I'll say, hey, you know, maybe you go here and then I'll follow you. I'll come with you because if you, if after one year it doesn't work, then I'm doing something wrong. But I, I have a lot of faith in knowing that if you could give us one year and you can accept that challenge, that your life will change. And not just your life, but generations will change. Generations will change. Ultimately, our lives will never make sense but to put Jesus at the center of it all.